Welcome to the VoxGig Developer Relations Podcast. I'm your host, Richard Roger. I speak to people in the software development community about developer relations, public speaking, and community events. I'm the CEO of VoxGig, a software consultancy that builds DevRel tools. Because we believe in the power of community, we host a monthly virtual online meetup for everyone in developer relations. Check out devrelmeetup.com. And visit voxgig.com to view our work, use our tools, and sign up for our newsletter. Okay, please sit back and enjoy my fireside chat with today's guest. I'm speaking to James Cook of Coyote Software, who just so happens to be a Microsoft MVP. If you've ever wondered how you get to be one, well, this is the interview for you. We cover that and a whole lot more besides about developer relations. All right, let's talk to James. James, welcome to the Fireside Box Gig podcast. It is great to have you on here, finally. Um, so let's start with who you are and who you work for and what you do. Thanks for inviting me. Um, I am James Cook. I am Director of Development Operations at Coyote Software. My job is a responsible for development and operational tech stacks in, in Coyote. Coyote is a prop tech SaaS provider. My role is working with the developers as well as the operational teams, platform engineering, site reliability, uh, QA teams, working, maintaining and delivering the Coyote platform we have. We were just saying before we came on, a lot of that working with developers is... Uh... Is kind of like herding cats, right? Yeah, from the from the years I've been working with developers, you get you get a taste, and that taste does stick with every um, every company you work with. Developers work differently, but their culture can be pretty much the same. And trying to change it is quite fun for me. I find that yeah. quite a quite, quite it, it, every company I gone into over the last few years it's 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 fun trying to advocate that development operations culture that everyone wants to achieve and trying to advocate that across both the developers to uh, middle management and also the C, uh, senior management and C levels to show everybody that this is a great uh, approach to go to yeah so. yeah it's so from the perspective of um developer advocates right often the challenge is interfacing with internal development teams um you know one of the one of the big challenges is getting internal internal developers to communicate exactly what they've built right what the new stuff actually is um your role is 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 a little bit different right because you're trying to make things operationally successful um but do you have any perspectives on i guess the right way to butter up developers or the right way to kind of get them get them on the same page <laughs> uh, and uh yeah don't give no, obviously don't give away all the secrets but no, 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 no. That's my that's my uh, my trademark. You're going in, yeah, with my, my little secret sauce, yeah, and and <laughs> saying, yeah, I can do this and and achieving it. It's it's all about like we say, yeah, communications. Like the the, the thing that we lack, but it's the most powerful tool to uh, success. 
having the team come together regularly and we talk about yeah, so many meetings, yeah, oh, waste of time, yeah, we're losing development time. We're not talking about meetings, we're talking about the very small pocket of time we can have daily, like stand-ups, yeah, where we can communicate with each other with in a five, ten minute window of anything blocking, anything currently being worked on and anything that we work, did work on previously that's a powerful um communication tool as well as regular training and regular update meetings with the product team or so on yeah just to have that physical communication i guarantee yeah. you when someone writes a document yeah, or writes an update in slack or teams very few percentage of developers will have the time to look at it or would not look at it all because it's not their location to go to there their location is IDEs and in a meeting, video meeting, and that's where we get the information from. Um, so that's what I usually find as the powerful tool behind being able to successfully start with a DevOps culture is what, what we talk about is like everything is code or we talk about documentation and getting a developer to document. You know, it's not 100% successful, not all the time. Um, you do have some teams you yeah, are very good at documenting but you have some areas you where it's like where's documentation it's not been updated in 12 months but we've had loads of releases and changes so it's usually the best place to do it is in a stand-up or in a informational product meeting or having a training session you know of on a new release and trying to get everybody up to scratch those are where people write notes yeah. And those notes are then powerful to be used here for as documentation that can be extracted and put into places. And once you start off as that as a foundation, you can then build on from there to a successful culture within yeah. your engineering team. And it sounds like the, the secret is a regular rhythm of meetings, right? That there's a yeah that, that, they happen that, on a, that they always yeah. happen on a certain day of each week or each month um rather than trying to do it ad hoc or trying to say oh there's a new release out so let's try to get all the docs in place in one go you just bite a little bit of the apple each week right that's it and and that's the point here that we we again i don't like to use the terminology of meetings because we get then oh there's too many meetings yeah we're having regular meetings daily they seem pointless they're not meetings they're just stand-ups and they're literally small snippets to get the information, make sure that everybody's on track. So we have engineering managers or uh, product managers, yeah, making sure that tickets are aligned with what the progress is going on. But then we're having that information session, maybe every couple of weeks, yeah, or every week, yeah, just to get that information across to people so that if someone's off sick, someone else can pick up that work. It yeah. doesn't go, oh, I have to wait for the person to come back here from holiday or from sick leave to pick it up. Or if I don't return from sick leave, yeah, or, or forbid you yeah, ever do leave you yeah, and don't document it's not going to be someone sitting there for two weeks trying to work out how this bill code works because it's yeah. not been documented it's actually <laughs> knowledge sharing to be able to pick it up yeah so uh that reminds me of uh this might be i don't know how obscure this might be there's a um i mean i'm encoding since the 90s right and you, you come across these kind of weird ancient things on the on the on the on the web, uh, did you ever come across this? I think it's like a tale from Usenet days or something called the story of Mel. Yeah, I've, I've heard something similar. Yeah, I, uh, I'm trying to remember. It. I'm trying to remember the story. 
It's well, I mean, this is a great example of not documenting things, right? So look it up on on Google or whatever if you're listening, right? The story of Mel, M-E-L. And the guy, this, this is like this ultra amazing coder who was coding on a machine that had a drum-based memory. So the actual code was, was machine code and the drum would move literally physically move and there was a read head on the drum and you could play all sorts of tricks by timing by waiting for the drum to kind of revolve around uh it's a beautiful little story uh he um didn't document what he did and left and uh nobody could ever figure out the code it was too clever um makes for a nice story because in real life it happens to you and that's it that's a <laughs> you great that's you a and that's a great example, yeah. That it does happen at organisations, and this is where, yeah. where, when you do find out, it's it's potentially too late. It's one of those you have to be uh, proactive and think about that as a as a manager, as a developer, developer lead. But if someone from your team leaves, yeah, is that yeah going to yeah. is that going to be a problem? So, do you guys use runbooks or stuff like that? So we sort of documenting. Uh, I don't know, like. <laughs> The level one support where oh the system is down like here's here here's like the reset sequence or whatever. Yeah, we do we do have that for site reliability. So when there is yeah. a a crit if, if there is a critical outage, we do have a runbook for that, that type of scenario. We have runbooks for security um, situations, but we do try automating most of our uh, items. So what happens is when events happen, they are automatically triggering um, a. A sequence of tasks here that will then do it so we don't have to worry about a run book yeah. so it ends up doing that so it's, it ends up being a, an amazing approach here for our developers uh one of the things we did do at uh the company mm -hmm. i'm at, at the moment coyote software is that we took a lot of the operational the, the devs were doing a lot of day-to-day -day running of run books yeah trying to implement certain uh solutions or maintaining um, certain functions and what we ended up doing is automating this so that they do less um re the most recent we've done is um uh is in regards to site reliability out if our same went down in one of our regions we had to recover manually but now yeah. that it now auto detects when something goes down and it ultimately uh, load balances the traffic over and that knowledge was something that was gapped in our development um, knowledge for the team and that's when a devops platform engineering sre knowledge person comes in and goes let's fill that gap give you more time back here so that you're not doing the day-to-day -day operationals as well as the dev side of things in regards to the back end platform so my question is is that documented right because, it is, because but... if it's like <laughs> it's a magical process and you don't document it Next year, no, you're no. in trouble, right? No, I, 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 I have to say, DevOps engineers like myself, yeah, yeah have come from a DevOps yeah. background for years. It is very well documented, yeah, yeah. and it has pretty pictures. <laughs> yeah, it has to be. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you guys are, you guys are way better than devs at that. More, well, you, <laughs> I think naturally the job has more. Uh, you can't do the job unless you're disciplined, right? Yeah, that's I, that's fundamental. Yeah, and I think um, I've. The years I've been in different companies, yeah, I learned my discipline when I worked in education technology. So I worked in there for uh, in edtech for eight years. It was where I started my career. Right, and I took on a lot of projects myself. And with education technology in the UK, it's not it's not 
it's funded but not well funded in the way that we see it's like it's a public public schools mostly i worked with and working with that technology stack the schools i worked with had limited budgets and with that we didn't have engineers yet that um uh well like we get from uh private uh companies yeah highly skilled yeah with years and years and years of experience yeah and getting paid tons of money to know what they know yeah so we had to as tech uh, techs ourselves learn a lot of the stuff yeah from start to finish yeah from researching and everything like that and sharing that knowledge we had to share the knowledge and it was one of those things i remember in one of the projects i started which was a um at the time a um apple project when ipads became such so popular in the uk but were so popular in the us and then started picking up in the uk how would you manage that device yeah you need to set up a server you need to manage it with profiles and deliver it software for all the wi-fi and everything and that had to be documented and that documentation was over 70 pages long from start to finish <laughs> for a for, for a, a another engineer to take yeah. and actually go through it step by step send it up in a in a specific way so that one they didn't need to know that much detail stein out to be able to then deliver a service but two if a customer calls and goes i've got a problem most of our Simpsons are set up in a specific way because it's all based on a 70-page document that we have here so that if there was a problem, we would know based on how it was set up, yeah, that what was the issue. So that discipline was ingrained yeah. in me in EdTech ed when I was working in there. And then from there, when I went into the private sector working with fintechs, um, you find yeah, that it's actually not much different. It's, it's, you find out that documentation lacks and you're like oh i've got a lot of documentation skills and you transfer that and you're like wow this is amazing you're like well i'm just writing a document here that it's only like two pages long but apparently it's like wow this is like worth millions and it's like oh wow it's like brilliant yeah. so yeah. and you find out you've that, that value of documentation as well as information providing and sharing ends up being the key to most organizations um in regards to development success and of course, documentation requires writing. And it's funny, isn't it? It's writing is not a skill that comes naturally to engineers. No. There are some. There are some obviously people out there, you know, well-known bloggers or whatever who've who, who seem to be born to the skill. I, I was just reminded of that this morning. My uh, wife was telling me about uh, one of our kids. She was helping him with his homework, uh, and uh, uh, he was. One now, now, my son is really into engineering, <laughs> right? Well, reason, <laughs> but uh, he could handle the grammar no problem, right? Because it was just application of rules, but composition, actually writing, uh, that was the challenge. And I know so, I know so many engineers, and um, I mean, even though I've done quite a bit of writing myself, uh, <laughs> it's like pulling teeth, it's just really hard um uh, you uh you, you're quite a you're quite a good role model i have to say your your personal website so a lot i mean lots of people have personal websites lots of developer advocates would have personal websites uh but the percentage that are actually up to date and well maintained <laughs> <laughs> well we won't say but it's you know it's not that high um so how do you do it i, I like that's genuine question right where is it the discipline that you've got from devops um 
it, it is very much discipline. Yeah. Um, I, I, I have to always remember to do it and I have to set a schedule. I have calendar um, reminders here to make sure that I'm publishing something or if wow. I change, if I, if I change my role, I know I have to update about seven or eight places to say that my role has been changed. Yeah. And I go to a different company because my blog's one place yeah, but then I've got all my social media. So I make sure that everything's aligned in regards to um, uh, information about myself as well as then the content um it, I, it's important yeah in my in my in my belief yeah, that for me my career success is um focused on sharing my knowledge and that blog which is where i started years and years ago needs to be maintained it can't just sit there and die it, it yeah. then becomes irrelevant and it just shows then it'd be end up being like my little um my little book of um history while then current affairs of what i've been doing and everything so that's what i don't want you to do i don't want to look back and go oh i haven't last update i did was seven years ago to it no i want to maintain that uh, until my career ends i want to see from absolutely when i started when i started near well i didn't blog when i first started but where i started caring about blogging and the communication and sharing information which was pretty much end of covid time to then end of my career That'd be a great review of how technology has evolved, culture has evolved, and how my career has evolved. So that ends up being my... Yeah, well, I mean, first of all, having a vision around that, I, that, I mean, that's a powerful motivator by itself. Um, on the practical level, yeah, having calendar reminders and literally treating it as uh, a commitment to publish. Um, so, you know, so many people do it on an ad hoc basis. Yeah, it's... but then it's. Yeah, I mean, you go to so many blogs and you see that they haven't been updated in years. Um, wouldn't exactly be great no. that way myself, right? No, uh... and, and it, it's hard to maintain that type of content. Yeah, again, yeah. I I get I get the reminder and go to myself, I'm not doing it this month. Yeah, and then I leave it. Yeah, and that's fine. But it's one of those things here yeah, that it needs to be done and maintained. And luckily enough, yeah, I, I my, some of my blog posts here, yeah, I it's all dated and everything so for me if that i know that if someone goes onto it and it's a few years old i know that okay it's a few years old they should know it's a few years old it's probably out of date a little bit but then i have um scheduled reviews to say have a look at the documentation in the blog so again a reminder to say have a look at your old posts just by title and go is it still relevant if it isn't if it's quite out of date if it's slightly it's fine but if it's quite out of date then do a new blog post and then um, up to, well, wow. we update the existing and then link it. I have all <laughs> this process. I yeah. I literally have a um a nice little like durable type thing you know, because the all the all the content I, I want to create and getting it done and then after it's done, there's like a little reminder to say about you need to review it. Amazing, so. amazing, James. <laughs> do, you, do you realize that what you've done personally for your personal blog oh. is something that large organizations that have significant APIs and SDKs fail yeah. to do? Yeah, and right. again, it, it's the secret. It, it's yeah. it's literally the discipline, like you say, you've uh, I've learned over years, and take I take that and apply it to my day to day job, and I take my day to day job learnings and apply it to my personal life. Yeah, to make my life more efficient. But first, for my family, so my family works around uh, me, and I work around my family, and then I be out, then I'm out to create my content to help launch my personal. I call it my personal brand, yeah. and also um help my career 
move forward awesome. in favor. Yeah, no, it's, it's amazing. Speaking of discipline, right? There was another thing I wanted to ask you about, which is you're a, a Microsoft MVP. Yes. Which takes a bit of discipline as well. <laughs> um, I mean, a lot of developer advocates, um, especially in the Microsoft sphere of influence, would, it's something that you often see people having or doing. Um, but I, I'm just, let me put myself in the shoes of somebody who is thinking of doing it. Can you take us through the process? Sort of from yes. beginning to end, and then what's involved in keeping that <laughs> and yes. keeping the badge? Yes, the, the Microsoft MVP um, award is not a thing that you can just apply for. It's it's quite a okay. tedious, it's, quite, it's very hard. So yeah. I I say crane content, not for any awards or achievements. For me, the crane of content was for um, sharing knowledge. Yeah, And yeah. I, I was reading a lot of stuff online. I was able to use a lot of it and going, oh, well, why don't we just all share open source? Yeah, open source documentation, basically. So I started doing that. And what I found out was over time, I heard of MVPs before, but I thought it was a secret organization of people that got together and <laughs> yeah. everything. But um, my 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 content started getting noticed by um, uh, individuals uh, who are MVP awarded. And right. I, okay. and I, I started over t uh, I, after probably about six or nine months of re like up writing blog posts daily um, and releasing them every other day yeah. and getting onto podcasts and doing some video content. I started getting inboxes from other MVP um, award awarders, uh, awardees that were um, uh, saying, have I been nominated for an MVP award yet? And I was like, no. And they said, well, if you want to be a Microsoft MVP, you have to initially be nominated by a, a Microsoft right. MVP. Okay. okay. So it's not, it's one of those, I'm a member, I can invite you as a member as well, but it's just an application. You mm. cannot be given it but any yeah. other way. Gotcha. So I had to then, once done that, once I was nominated, I had to have a an initial interview. Well, it's like a thirty minute meeting just to to understand what the MVP award means, how it means by by being nominated that you're not guaranteed it. It's 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 a a thing in regards to how much content you produce and commit to the community. Um, it's how much you provide basically in the end game value to Microsoft yeah, products yeah. in any area. It doesn't have to be developer based. Yeah, it could be uh, um, um, administration, it could be user, um, end user based uh, um, content. But once that uh, interview is done, you then have to provide um, evidence of contributions. And usually it's not, they, they literate that this. You only, you don't get this for doing three months of work and then don't do anything for the next nine months of the year. They like to see a long term commitment to content. The so discipline, it, yeah, there yeah, you go. the discipline. So yeah. for me, I've been doing it for quite some time, and again, once the application is submitted, uh, you don't. I I didn't hear for months afterwards, and it came about probably about after a year after celebrating. But I think my first year of complete blog posts, yeah, mm. reaching milestones of tens of thousands of people visiting the blog that 
I got um, the email to say that with all the content contributions I've done over the course of the year uh, in relation to Microsoft products that I was awarded this um, fabulous uh, MVP. Right. So, but, so it's, it, you can't fake it, basically. It's no, it's not. There's no faking. It's, it's, it is pure content and they review it and it's individually reviewed. It's not a, oh, I've done one article. Oh, here you go. Here's an MVP. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's, it's, a, it's quantity and, and length, it's not pay uh, to play, right? You can't, you can't no. just do an exam and, and there you go. No. And I can't it's... just write stuff on my work either and put on my work blog because it's, it's about doing it in your own personal time is an MVP for you being um, individually committed to the Microsoft products and, commu- uh, and the community. You've got to hand it to Microsoft. They always, you know, there's lots of companies that where you, where it is pay to play or yeah. it is just an exam, right? But um, I mean, you you know the famous video of of Bammer jumping around the place shouting developers, 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 and you know <laughs> over the years it's become more and more genuine, really, hasn't it? Right? It, yes. You know, people used to uh, make fun of him, um, but I think he really meant it. I think he knew what was coming yeah. in the future. Knew was coming. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we see it. We see it. It, it has evolved. So yeah. Um, so yeah. One last question: All the stuff that you do, uh, you. I mean, your organization must be supportive, right? The the leadership must be on board with all of this kind of stuff and understand its value. Yeah, it's 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 a. I've I've trans over the course of a couple of years, I've transitioned into two different companies, but both companies yeah. I trans- transitioned into while awarded the MVP. The one of my caveat is yeah, that um, I won't. I and it's honest. Yeah, I I don't come and join your company, and and you, and you can't just turn around and tell me I can't create the content. For me, what I yeah. learn, yeah. okay, I can't just copy and paste your documentation from work. Obviously yeah, and use not. your blog post. I can't do that. <laughs> so I can't use. I can't reuse code or anything yeah. like that. But it's more the I've been doing it for years, and I've been committed uh, to continuing to share the knowledge I have gained to the community because I use community documentation. I'm not one that goes, oh, I, I just thought of it, found it out myself. Yeah, and here you go. You can see some of my blog posts where I reference, yeah, either Microsoft documentation or other people's blogs, mm. yeah, or videos, yeah, because it's content that I'm learning from and evolving myself. And I've said to these com- organizations that if I'm coming to work for you, I want to still continue doing it. And it's good publicity for them. Absolutely. Well, it's, right? Yeah. And especially um, like a, my current company is a software a SaaS uh, provider. So they got a bit of software that they are selling to customers and it's because it's a tech um, product for them to, for me to go around and shout the name of the organization. Um, it's great for them. It's great publicity. They can uh, uh, use my, um, my award status as well as my, yeah. Uh, it must be content. really good for uh, recruiting, right? Because I mean, if I'm a developer or DevOps person looking at at uh, Coyote, and I'm going, okay, you know, they're they're kind of clued in, right? They yeah, and that's care it. about developers. Yeah, and they got a MVP that I could learn from, I can evolve, and look forward to a career progression. Yeah, that I know that uh, there's a person there that can help me with mentoring or learning as an instructor. And it's and just not it's point. just not that expensive for the company, right? It's 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 such a net positive. Um, yes. you know, part, part of what we do, helping companies, uh, understand how to get there. And I will say you can't fake it, right? You've, you've, 
you've got to support the people in your organization who are uh, content creators. You've got to you've, you've you've got to be serious about giving them the space because it's a signal that you can't fake, right? I mean, you can't <laughs> even if you were using ChatGPT to write your blog post, it yeah. would be kind of obvious still, right? Yeah, not, we're not we're yeah. not the le- we're not the level where you could just continue to you know you could no, just fake no. that, right? No, no, you can't uh, fake that. No, no way of doing that yet. Yeah, uh, that would save me so much more time. But it's, but, <laughs> yeah, I but, wish, but no. I, 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 once no. it gets to that, once I think AI gets to that level, I think you end up having that um, copyright infringement type thing. Yeah, like, yeah. Have, I think, I think, I think, James, <laughs> if copyright gets to that or AI gets to that level, humanity's got other problems. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, it's, I'm it's waiting funny, for it. You know, you, you talk to all these people who go, oh, the, we won't need developers anymore, right? AI's got to write all the code. I'm like, so you realize that's Skynet, right? You realize yeah, that's, that's like it. Terminators. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's that? amazing. <laughs> yeah. It's amazing because uh, AI has been a massive, uh, massive conversation piece here yeah. over the last 12 months everywhere. But even in, in our own organization, either AI as a SaaS product, um, 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 feature or as AI tool to assist the developers in yes. improving their uh, coding um, by writing tests or actually documenting. Writing their oh, code yeah. and just yeah, going, yeah, yeah. can you write that's, some comments in my code? And that's it. That is so, very handy. Um, but it's still, I mean, it's, it's, yeah, it's not quite there yet, right? So I, no, mean, I, I mean, you obviously that, do a whole bunch of Terraform and stuff, right? So yeah, I, yeah. I've, I've, I've <laughs> yeah, it's happened more than once that, um, ChatGPT has has generated Terraform that would be really nice if it worked. If that attribute actually existed, it would solve all my. Re- I, I, <laughs> I saw a real I, yeah. attribute. <laughs> no, I I literally remember on yeah. day day one of uh, GitHub Copilot being uh, previewed, and I was like, oh, I got access to it. I'll play with it, and literally, I was like, oh, can you write my Terraform? Oh yeah, here it is. And I was like, oh, cool, I'll just just run it. It yeah. didn't work. Nah, <laughs> Um, and I mean, the interesting thing is people say, oh, you got to have a discussion and you got to, you got to chat to it. Right. Um, but if it takes an hour long chat and I've done these where you, you keep refining mm-hmm. the prompt until, until it's sort of correct. Um, I'm kind of keep thinking to yourself, oh, I should have just written the, so just did it, done it myself in the first place. Yeah. yeah it does faster. feel like, uh, no, it does feel like that. I find it that it's, and I think even the, I went to an event recently yeah, that uh, GitHub was hosting GitHub universe. And the the big thing that they um, make a point about is exi- it works much better with existing code, right? And it does. Yes, yeah. yes. Existing code is so much powerful. So if you bring up something, I'm like, I need to amend something. I've never been in here before. Great, you can just bring it up, ask the chat, then it will go off and yeah. give you suggestions. Yeah, or give you an example sample. You have to do it, and that's great. But when you're writing from scratch, it, like you say. It takes so much time to give it context, yeah, and refining it yeah. to, to be the way. And is it is it ready to do that? I don't think it is. I think it's going to be the. No. De- this is where developers still exist. I mean, don't, don't get me wrong, right? I'm not dissing it. I, I'm very useful tool. Use it all. Yeah. Use it all the time myself. Um, yeah, but I think we. <laughs> I think it's time to say. Uh, we've come to the end because if we started conversation about ChatGPT, that's a whole yeah. other block. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, come, I'll come back on the next yeah, another yeah, video. Yeah, we we'll talk about we'll talk about that another day <laughs> for sure. Uh, James, thank you so much. Um, I mean, the the big thing out of this for me, and it is an aspect of of developer relations that uh, is critical to success, is having an established rhythm, a discipline to what you're doing. Um, and if gap comes for you and what you've done with just a little bit of 
discipline <laughs> a few reminders uh it's pretty awesome uh thank you so much it's been a right. fascinating talk thank you no, thank you thank you for having me and thank you audience here for listening awesome all righty take care and we'll right. have you on later to talk yeah, about bye bye. chat gpt <laughs> <laughs> yeah bye bye, bye, -bye. <laughs> You can find the transcript of this podcast and any links mentioned on the podcast section of our website, voxgeek.com slash podcast. Subscribe to the VoxGeek Developer Relations Podcast on Apple, Spotify, or any podcasting platform. We publish each Tuesday and Thursday. You can also access the archive of our meetup talks on the VoxGeek YouTube channel or the VoxGeek website. Thanks for listening. Catch you next time.